0: Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews.
1: And now, on with the show. Dr. Goldfoot and his bikini machine Woo! This is Vincent Price, I mean Dr. Goldfoot, with plans to possess most of the money in the world. Frankie Avalon knows it. Dwayne Hickman finds out about it. Susan Hart is an innocent, innocent tool of the plan. Hello, darling. Jack Mullaney helped make the plan. Ah! And special guest star Fred Clark just doesn't believe it. You're nuts! all right follow me these lush bikini babes are built uh i mean made uh, produced to perform and they have the knack of doing what they're built to do she walks she talks come here tiger she makes love did you miss me precious sex has never been funnier she isn't human, but she is gorgeous. Mr. Armstrong, you're married to a robot. <laughs> Doctor Goldfoot is a dangerous man, but he does have his lighter moments. Alright, alright. After he goes, after. Dr. Goldfoot?
0: Well, hello, folks, and you know what that music means. That means that we are back. We're back? We're back. I am D-Dub, and that means I am your fearless leader and your host. See? Almost forgot there. It's been so long. And across the table is my co-host and faithful acolyte, Stratosphere. Hi, gang. Uh, By the way, we're back. I've got a job where I can actually... Managed to put in time to do – or set aside time to do these as opposed to working overnight and, God knows, finding out on a Wednesday. I've got to be in Alabama on a Thursday. Uh, uh,
2: there was some unpleasantness, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, was a cool job, and I'm kind of doing the same thing, but I'm home evening. Got to see and, the country, didn't you? <laughs> uh, a little too much. <laughs> Any place you go where... The country. You, anytime, any place, anytime you go someplace where, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, drive faster, I hear banjos. It's problem. We're at 5 o'clock in the morning after putting in an all-night shift. Say, so where can I where can I go to get something to eat? Where it's like a Denny's or something. Oh, hell, that's only about 100 miles away. You got about an hour and a half drive to find a Denny's. We got us tooters. Which...
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I expected them. them to be like uh you know oh if you want the close one that's about a hundred miles because <laughs> i've had conversations uh, I, when i was over the road uh i had conversations like that you want the close one or the good one <laughs> i'm like oh god help me kill me now
0: <laughs> yeah oh you want mcdonald's y'all got to go over to the next county oh,
2: you know, that that that's their idea of the fancy restaurant
0: Hey, why don't you supersize that for the little woman? It's our anniversary and all.
2: Yeah, what the hell. It'll be hell to pay, but we'll we'll do it. She's worth it. God.
0: And just for the record, I've only been on this job. This is starting my fourth week. And I freaking am so sick of being in Panera Breads. I cannot tell you.
2: I gave up on Panera Breads. I was... I'd actually, I haven't been in them too much, but um, we were meeting our daughter at college um, last year. I uh, said, we're, we're going to take you out to dinner, and literally the only thing we could think of was Panera Bread, and oh my God, so disgusting. I will never set foot in one of those again.
0: Well, you see, we do, the company I'm with, we do a lot of our in-person interviews at Panera, okay. mainly because it's free Wi-Fi, and I can tolerate their coffee. That's about as far as I'll go.
2: You're meeting there for the free Wi-Fi. Love it.
0: Well, you know, a lot of our stuff, a lot of our onboarding and that is done over the Internet. We don't do paper applications. We don't do any of that.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: So what I have to do in a lot of cases after I do an interview, I have to put them in as hired and it'll automatically generate a thing for background check. Okay. It'll automatically generate their paperwork. They just have to sign in and take care of it. That being said, I need access to Wi-Fi, and you know, well, hell, not every McDonald's has Wi-Fi. So, Panera Bread's does.
2: I, I've got to say, it, it does kill me the few times I've any more that I've actually eaten in a McDonald's, and I'll see somebody with with their laptop, and I'm like, you can afford that big ass laptop, but you're eating in a McDonald's? What the hell's that? Now, about? hang
0: on, hang on. I'll have you know, I, as you can probably tell by my expanding waistline. Ah, so he looks, folks. Yeah, you're
2: look. an amateur. Eh.
0: Well, I got you know.
2: 50 pounds on him, at least, folks.
0: <laughs> I know, but I got convention season coming up. I got to get. I, I'm doing one last time in the spandex. So
2: you, you actually looked. I, I, I saw the Doctor Who picture. I thought you looked really good. Well, I appreciate you, you, it. You look better than than some of the other guys.
0: Well, yeah. For some reason, people like to do the War Doctor, and they're a little heftier
2: which surprises me because the whole point of the War Doctor is he's supposed to be older and you know lean and mean you know the ravages of war and all that but
0: yeah almost bought, almost bought uh, the War Doctor sonic screwdriver but I didn't feel like shelling out that kind of bread
2: eh it's getting a little little too esoteric
0: I know but I still have to get the one for the third what are
2: you going to do assemble them to death
0: <laughs> what are you going to do assemble a cabinet at them <laughs> um but anyway to finish my thing um
2: yeah, we're getting to the movie, folks. Yeah, we are eventually. There, I there, happen to... there, may, there I, may be some new listeners, so we do this type of thing all the time. I just want to reassure yeah, them I, they, they've tuned into the right episode.
0: We do we do this more so on this one than on Geeks Explain It All. Yeah, um, mainly because you know some of the movies we do are a little um, thin in the plot. No, but but yeah, I mean I, I one of my favorite things is a Big Mac. And I can't help it. A Big Boy, not the same.
2: Can't handle Big Mac. Can I, I can handle a Quarter Pounder, depending, maybe, if I'm in the mood for it. But Big Mac, I don't think I've ever eaten one in my life.
0: Oh, can't help it. I love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was, my wife, Christ. That was, that was his first job ever, so he got addicted <laughs> early.
0: Oh, no, I couldn't eat them for a long time. Because, you know, back then, there was a lot more oil in the uh, sauce. So, let's just say it uh, greased the pipes a little. Ugh. Especially, you know, put a little bit of extra sauce on there and...
2: Yeah, and he used to call it the morning constitutional. That's Riot.
0: right. Well, I got that from a friend of ours. But uh, actually, I did create i did create the surf and turf sandwich while I was there.
2: Yeah. Quarter, quarter pounder and a filet of fish?
0: No, it, well, actually, it was just the uh, regular hamburger meat uh-huh. and a flay of fish. Um, it was on a toasted bun, cheese, onions, and something else. But it actually wasn't bad. You're it bright. sounds worse than it is. Hey, you know what when you're that when you're that age and you're hungry you will try you you'll experiment.
2: <laughs> That's how I got hooked on euros. I, I gyros always sounded disgusting to me and then one time uh, I went with uh, Scott Bunn. Hey Scott, uh if you're listening, uh we we went to some place down in the flats and we were we were pretty uh, well loaded, and uh, came out came out of the I think uh, Peabuddies in the flats, and uh, there was a gyro vendor. Scott's like, "You have to try these; these are the best." And I was like, "Damn, he's right."
0: Now you see, talking about the vendors, I always love the Dirty Water Dogs with the onions.
2: Oh, no, I,
0: I, I love it. Well, we went to a, we went to a baseball game a couple of weeks ago. Which, boy, I could tell you stories about that. Uh, we made a mistake of parking on an inside garage. Right. And then we went to this place afterwards. And this place closed 90 minutes after the game was over. Okay. So the thing was stuck in the garage all overnight. Had to come back the next day to get it. Are you serious?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Fortunately, one of the couples that we were there with was able to drive us back.
2: Oh, my God. That's hysterical.
0: <laughs> it was. But the point of my thing there, it was dollar dog night. Okay. And, you know, I hate to see a dollar dog go to waste, so I probably ate six or seven of them.
2: Uh, Felt great the next morning. That's beyond nasty.
0: Well, just just for the record, I mean, one of my birthday meals one year, the wife asked me what I wanted. I said, I just want chili dogs. I have simple tastes. Despise prime rib. I'm not a big steak guy. But anyway. I like it. So anyway, comments can go to secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, we put this off long enough. What is our cinematic masterpiece?
2: Well, this is a rarity on um, on the Secret Lair drive-in because we have a request. And it, like said, normally we, we're just like, Okay, let's watch this dumbass movie. It, that, that sounds about right. But uh, this is a request from uh, a fellow I work with, a very good friend, um, Anthony Jenko. Love you, Tony, if you're listening. And uh, this is the, 19, the 1965 American International Pictures classic, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Theme song performed by Diana Ross and the Supremes. And, you know, tell me that's not a catchy little song.
0: It is. But for the record, I'm not going to play that at the end of the show. I have something else in mind.
2: Okay, that's fine. So. You, I, I got. Uh, you know, I, I never give you enough credit. I I tend more to listen to the ends of the secret layer. Well, because you edit those, but you always add something uh, pretty interesting at the end. I, I, I give you snaps on your uh, your Google foo as far as or your, <laughs> or, or your YouTube foo.
0: Well, in, in the case of this one, I act, I actually had had somebody ask. What's that music you always seem to play when you've been gone for a while? So, at the end of the episode, I'm going to play a, strong, a song called "Stronger Than Dirt" oh, okay. by Tom King and the Starlighters. All right, yep. Local
2: fans will will recognize that one,
0: and you'll at least recognize a couple of minutes of it, or uh, half a minute or so of it. But anyway, so, so the best place to start with this would be the plot. plot.
2: As the film opens, we see numerous shots of San Francisco. We soon see a young brunette woman clad in a trench coat and fedora. She seems a tad overdressed for the weather, but stranger things happen uh, regarding her. As she walks into the middle of the street, a car hits her, but it is the car that falls apart. Two men attempt to leave the scene of a bank robbery. Encountering the woman, they shoot at her, but she just keeps right on going. In a small cafeteria, she drinks a glass of milk and the liquid pours from bullet holes in her body. Yes, but when she's in the cafeteria,
0: you have to keep in mind that she met the agent because she mistook him for somebody else. Right. And this agent is played by none other than
2: Frankie, Frankie Avalon. Avalon. And he the character he plays is named Craig Gamble. Which I've got I've got trivia about that, believe it or not. However, she claims he is named Todd Armstrong. Craig tries to, to deny this, but... Craig she,
0: Gamble, Todd Armstrong. My God. They sound like porn names.
2: They really do. What's really funny is in, um, in one of the beach movies, him and... Um, Dwayne Hickman? Dwayne Hickman, who, who plays, they actually play the other's character. Like like Frankie okay. Avalon plays a character named Ty- – it's not a sequel, but they play okay. characters with those names, just re- uh, reverse the roles. Well, I'll be going to hell. Like I said, I'm, not, I'm not sure which of the I'll, – I'll say right off the bat, that's a lot of what this movie is, and as it turns out, what it was intended to be, it was intended to be sort of a non-beach beach movie. If that makes any sense, a lot of
0: winking and nu- winking and nudging to the camera.
2: Yeah, a lot of a sh- lot of a Lot of uh, there's several references to um, the beach movie series.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, I think Annette Funicello actually appears
2: at one point. She does. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, but anyway, the the young brunette insists on going back to his place, which just so happens to be a small one bedroom apartment. Meanwhile, we suddenly find ourselves inside the lair of Dr. Goldfoot, played by Secret Lair Hall of Famer Vincent Price. Who, I
0: have to say, is just chewing up the scenery in this.
2: The great quote that I heard from this is there, you know, this is me. I'm trying to be as as sympathetic because, again, I know this was a request and the guy that requested it loved it. Maybe this is not the best movie ever but vincent price actually had fun doing it and his comment was it was a great movie but they removed all the music if they would have left the music in it would i remember hearing that yeah Yeah, and i'm like i can't imagine this movie with with you know very many uh, musical scenes if i remember right i think there was a
0: scene in there where he actually did a musical number
2: um, I-,
0: I read something
2: That could be. But yeah, I I found it interesting that an an older actor, that would be his comment that, and especially someone like Vincent Price, but yeah, he he (sighs) claims that's where the movie's flaw is, that they eliminated the musical numbers. I just thought it was interesting. It did well enough to get a sequel. Yes, it did. And we'll get to that too. Okay, Dr. Goldfoot and his assistant, Igor, played by Jack Mullaney. Goldfoot is incensed that his bikini girl... That Craig is with, who has said to him, her name is Diane, has hooked up with the wrong Tart Armstrong. Goldfoot then orders his girl, known as Number Eleven, to get out of there. As Craig watches, Number Eleven's vocal pitch changes, and she storms out of the room, leaving him wanting her even more. And I gotta give I give credit to the actress uh, playing this Number Eleven, Diane or whatever. She does a lot of voices in this, a lot of personality changes.
0: I'm trying to remember. I think this was like one of her first roles as well. Really?
2: I I was very impressed because she pulls off uh, kind of the ditzy blonde voice, Southern Belle, um, I think a couple European accents. Uh, she does, I want to say, five or six different, uh, maybe not accents, but personas in it. And uh, pretty pretty well pulled off, I'd say. Diane then goes back to the street and encounters the real Todd Armstrong, a very rich bachelor. She manages to charm him, and they take off for his place. Meanwhile, Craig has been obsessed with finding Diane and calls the directory assistants, for those of you who remember directory assistants, but gets nowhere since all he has is Diane's first name. There's no way to find her. Soon after, Craig is angrily called into the office of his Uncle Donald. Uncle Donald? Uncle Donald?
0: I can't even do a duck voice.
2: So I, I can't either. But, uh, both of the relations work for Secret Intelligence Command, SIC, and Donald is upset at Craig's obsession with Diane, as well as the fact that he is known as O and a half. Uncle Donald then demands that Craig work on helping SIC and raise his title to at least a full digit instead of a fraction. Which oh, I love geez. that. Meanwhile, number eleven has conned Todd Armstrong into marrying her, and their wedding makes a magazine cover. Where Craig sees her, and he is heartbroken. Back at the secret lair, Doctor Goldfoot begins sending out more of his girls, each one programmed to do as number eleven has done—that is, snare a rich husband and get him to sign over his fortune to them. Ah, and as the as the as they're
0: coming out, there is one notable among the uh, bikini-clad
2: robots. Oh, really. Deanna Lund, who also appeared on *Land of the Giants*. Wow. Okay. Good deal. Well. Okay. That gives this movie a little bit of a pedigree. Boy, we're we're I wouldn't go that far. We're grasping at straws, aren't we? Um, in the wake of his marriage to Number Eleven, Todd has given her a large diamond ring, but is upset when she sleeps in a separate bed than him and with a screen dividing them on their honeymoon. Diane claims it's because her batteries were low and Todd just just dismisses this as ridiculous. She then asks for Todd to give her a wedding present, requesting he sign over several of his stocks and holdings to her. Diane then takes the signed forms and leaves Todd, telling him to go to work. Okay. Uh, Out of the street, Craig sees Diane out in the street. Craig sees Diane and attempts to talk to her, but she claims she has no idea who he is. As he attempts to take her off the street, Dr. Goldfoot appears and tugs Diane into a car, leaving Craig sprawled on the sidewalk with Diane's left hand left behind. In his car, Goldfoot is at first pleased with Diane's work until he finds out that even though they have Armstrong's holdings, he did not sign over his power of attorney to her. Goldfoot then informs Diane that she will need to be punished. Craig eagerly tells his Uncle Dan, but he simply assumes his nephew is crazy. Remembering the name of the mortuary on the side of Goldfoot's car, Craig heads out there where he sees his assistant, Igor, disappearing into a coffin. Again, chewing the scenery magnificently on this. Oh, yeah. Craig follows him and finds the doctor's secret lair along with his bikini machine and seeing Diane being tortured, Igor quickly discovers Craig, but not before he manages to escape. Yes, and he discovers him after
0: he's laying out on a gurney. Pretending to be a corpse. He
2: yes. had the toe tag on. Attention to detail is always important. I'm telling you. Returning to his uncle's office, Craig attempts to tell what he's seen, but his uncle claims he's busy with one of SIC's head officers. However, Craig recognizes Igor in disguise, but both his uncle and Igor claim he's nuts. Realizing that no one will believe him, Craig then goes back to Diane's fiance. Todd naturally doesn't believe Craig. And Cla- no, of course not. Why would he? Um, his claims that Diane is a robot until Craig shows him Diane's several se- severed hand, complete with wedding ring,
0: Which makes him faint.
2: Yes. The two then decide to team up, pretty sure that Diane will return to get da- Todd to sign over power of attorney to her. Uh, Craig then hides in a secret room as Todd waits for Diane. Eventually, she does appear, making the chain lock open automatically, before requesting he come with her to the bedroom. As she makes a request f- for his signature for power of attorney, Todd attempts to yell for Craig, but Diane quickly kisses him and convinces him to sign. No sooner has he finished signing the form than she quickly changes into a new outfit and literally disappears through the front door. The effect of which causes Todd to faint. Okay, that's what you're talking about. Craig is also incapacitated as he has delved into Todd's secret bar hidden behind the wall. Which, everybody should have one of those.
0: Oh, sure, you know, this was the swing in 60s.
2: Absolutely. Once the two uh, come to, Craig feels bad that he didn't hear Todd's cry, but Todd claims they still pulled one over on Dr. Goldfoot. He signed a name on the Power of Attorney line, but Craig's, so that Diane still has no way to get the money to Goldfoot. Once again, Craig attempts to convince his Uncle Donald that something is going on, even bringing Todd to back up his claims, but as the previous times, there is no convincing the uncle.
0: No, and as I recall, supposedly the uncle's boss is in there, and it's Igor in a really bad disguise.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. You know, I watched this thing actually twice. and I watched it, it,
0: it and then I watched it like two weeks ago, and it was one of those things I was... I had it on in the office, and I was doing something else. so I was kind of, kind of, sort of paying attention.
2: Well, and I, I got to say, whether you whether you love it or hate it, this is a very visual movie, as a lot of movies in the '60s were. Well, so. it's one
0: of those wacky '60s comedies.
2: Yes, high concept and all that. Um. Literally, <laughs> I like what you did there. Craig and Todd then head to Doctor Goldfoot's mortuary. I would love to see a sign out front that says Dr. Goldfoot's Mortuary. That would be awesome. Well, you know, that's how the secret lair
0: thing came in originally when we uh, were doing the comics. Uh-huh. We thought, well, how cool would it be our sign be like outside the castle, something that flashes just says secret lair, secret <laughs>
2: lair. It's kind of like the old uh, thing in the one uh, Billy Crystal movie, unmarked police car. <laughs> I was thinking more like the
0: old Looney Tunes.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Evil, evil doctor inside? Yeah, something like I that. I remember that one. Um, Greg and Todd then head to Dr. Goldfoot's mortuary, where they are soon caught by the doctor and his assistant. Goldfoot shows the two his bikini machine and then has them sit down for dinner with Diane in attendance, albeit only able to speak and understand Japanese now. Kenichiwa, Whatever that means. Konbanwa, Whatever that means. My daughter's taking Japanese now and she's she's trying to sandbag me and luckily I've I've studied a little bit of Japanese so gotcha. we're we're having we're having a little war war of uh, languages it's fun <laughs> good 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 uh, daddy daughter time <laughs> sounds like it uh, after their dinner Goldfoot then attempts to get Todd to sign the forms giving him power of attorney but Todd still refuses having Goldfoot place them underneath a large towering pendulum
0: Yes, and just for the record, it the set designer for this one also did Roger Corman's Pitting a Pendulum and they reused some of the some of the sets.
2: I think they reused some of the footage from that too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they
0: reuse a little bit of that and they also used some footage from Believe It Or Not Godzilla versus the Thing, the AIP release. Some of the Really? Battle, some of the battleship footage in that.
2: Oh, okay. God, I didn't even catch that. God, and that's a good movie too. Um Oh you know, it's
0: American International, you know, they had all the stuff, they gotta use some of it.
2: Every time you know, to this day, talk about a Pavlovian response, every time I see the American International thing, I automatically have the Johnny Sacco theme start playing in my head. Mm. Uh, kind of,
0: kind of like kind of like me when I see the Asylum Presents Singapore. boy, this is gonna be good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Luckily, Craig manages to trick Igor into letting him go. He rescues Todd, and the two take off in the Doctor's Cadillac with Goldfoot and Igor in hot pursuit in a motorcycle and sidecar. And then it basically turns into the Wacky Races.
0: Yeah, again, like I said, the wacky 60s
2: comedy. Right. The chase leads them all over San Francisco before the Doctor and Igor drive off a cliff near some naval practice grounds where they and their vehicle are destroyed. In the aftermath, Todd feels he and Craig need a vacation, and the two decide to jet off to Paris. However, once they are airborne, they are sh- the two are shocked by three things. One, Diane is on board as a stewardess. Two, Uncle Donald is on board, supposedly by way of Diane. And three, Dr. Goldfoot and Igor can be seen chuckling maniacally from the cockpit doorway. The end?
0: Okay, now, they did do a sequel, Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. However, I'm trying to find it here. Okay. They produced AIP Television, actually made a musical TV special promoting the movie. Okay. It's called The Weir- the Wild Weird World of Dr. Goldfoot. And this had Vincent Price, Tommy Kirk, and Susan Hart, and featured many of the songs that had actually been cut from the cinematic release.
2: Oh, okay. Is that on YouTube?
0: Who knows? But whatever. have to look for that one. It aired November 18th, 1965 on ABC. Um, Other than that, the only other really interesting thing, there was an accident on the scene. One of the electricians passed out from the heat because uh, one of the sound stages was over 100 degrees by mid-afternoon. Wow. And this electrician passed out from the heat and fell from a catwalk.
2: Did he die or? Yep. D- oh wow! How terrible! Yeah. I'm, how, I'm, I'm how going for convenient. I'm
0: looking for something interesting.
2: You know. Um. Well, okay. We'll talk about the two interesting cameos that I caught. Um. Again, this this was sort of sort of an attempt to make a beach movie, like not at the beach though. And okay. the two cameos I saw were. Um, Harvey Lembeck, I believe, as Eric von Zipper, the the biker guy. The, the, I
0: believe I I believe I saw that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, when at one point they're taking a tour of, of the evil castle or, or the stronghold, whatever you okay. want to call it, and uh, they they open a door and they they see Eric von Zipper with his his classic line, "Why me? Why me all the time?" <laughs> and uh, the other cameo, uh, they see a girl in stocks, and there's your Annette Funicello uh, uh, cameo, right? And you know, Frankie Ellen, Frankie Avalon's like, nah, it couldn't be. <laughs> so, yeah, there was definitely a lot of uh, holdover from from the beach movies that Frankie and Annette had done. So, oh sure. Um, like I said, I. It was it was interesting. It it's definitely of its time. I think that's probably the nicest thing you can say about it because there were there were certainly a lot of weird and wacky movies that came out in that time period.
0: Yeah. I I think if I were to rate this I would have to definitely go uh what's our middle? Crapfest? Crapfest? Crap
2: Crapastic, I want to say.
0: Well, all right. Yeah. Eh. We'll just go crap fest in the middle. I have to go back and listen. I don't have it written down. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go right dead smack in the middle. He wasn't terrible, but it. Eh, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch I, it ever. I,
2: I, for, for those of you who are new listening, um, our our two lowest grades, uh, Stinkburger and Ginormous Stinkburger, that's our D and our F uh, rating respectively. Yeah, this doesn't quite sink to these lows, and you got to give it to Vincent Price. He He makes something like this, which could be a complete train wreck. You're that's the problem. You're you're waiting for Vincent Price to appear on screen, so he you know, you've just got that classic delivery.
0: And,
2: and he's th- obviously having
0: a great deal of fun with it.
2: He's having a great deal of fun. You can catch him, you know, kind of looking at the camera like, okay, you you and I both know I'm why you're watching this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I get Okay. All right, I'm going middle of the road. Where are you going with the
2: I'm going to stay I'm gonna, uh, I'll, I'm going to stay in the middle too. Like I said, okay. not not one of my favorites, but um definitely one I had not caught before. Uh thank you again Tony Jenko for um uh giving me your, your copy of this. Even though it is available on YouTube. I can't find my copy anywhere and I went into panic mode and oh, it's on YouTube.
0: Well, I had my copy somewhere in I don't know where it is right now.
2: Uh, I meant to tell you um, while I was looking on YouTube, uh-huh. there's um, one of the beach movies. I think it's one. Of the, I think it might be called Beach Party. Okay, might want to check that out. Dick Dale is in it, and he performs
0: very nice.
2: Oh yes, I, I'm I'm watching this, and I'm like, D Dub has to know. <laughs> I must know. <laughs>
0: Okay, and so what did we decide to watch for next time?
2: Well, as is our usual pattern, we're we're gonna uh, try and uh, squeeze a kaiju in there. So we're going to be going with the 1970 uh, classic Gamera versus Jiger. We all haven't we haven't done a Gamera in, a, in quite a while. So all I
0: can say, folks, is be prepared for us to go way off topic.
2: Oh, sure. Because this is what we do.
0: Especially on some of these
2: early Gamera movies.
0: Okay. And with that being said, this is D-Dub.
2: And Stratosphere. Saying go watch a B-movie. And why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. Bye, folks. Later, kids. (laughs)